The Not So Great Outdoors contains stories of a graphic nature. Viewer discretion is advised. The outdoors are great. Except when they're not. Welcome to the Not So Great Outdoors. We're your guide. I'm Seth. And I'm Piff. And for New Year's Eve, we're doing Ridiculous Rescues. I love Ridiculous Rescues. Now, I have a slight disclaimer. Okay. Because I couldn't find any rescues that were particularly ridiculous in my search and rescue book. We are pairing each rescue with a funny one-star Google review of the parking question. Yay! That'll be fun. (laughs) And I would just like to, I have to rant for a little bit because I had to read through so much entitled bullshit to get like the semblance of something funny. Mm, So I'm going to like rant for like 30 seconds just because I need to. Okay, (laughs) go. Let me just say that if you planned an entire trip to a national park and failed to read the timed entry requirements, that's on you. It helps them with crowd control so that every place isn't so packed that instead of seeing nature, you just see the backs of people's heads. And if you say that there are no signs, you must be blind because we're doing Rocky Mountain in here. And they were like, there were no signs, no signs. And I was like, for miles outside of Rocky Mountain National Park, there are signs. I was literally there in June. So get over yourself that there's information everywhere. And if you can't get a permit for the timed entry requirements, it's only for certain hours. Just get up early so you can get into the park before timed entry starts. Because we had a timed entry for 9 a.m., but we wanted to start before that. So we entered the park at like 6 a.m. because it was before time, timed entry started. So that's all I have to say about that. Fair enough. And now for a one-star review of Yosemite National Park. Also, shout out to Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet, the podcast. Yes. Because they do this, but like a whole podcast. Yes. This is just some levity. Also, I picked out these rescues like at least a month ago. I have no memory of what they're about. We'll go on an adventure together. Let's take this journey together. Oh, also, Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. I hope you guys are having some fun. This is one of my favorite holidays. So, really, party it up. I mean, I knew that because you always do a party, but didn't realize like favorite. It's one of my favorite holidays. Yeah, because like the glitter, the glitter. That's that's really. I just I love an excuse to have like gold glitter and champagne flutes, and there's no better excuse than New Year's Eve. All right, but we're starting off with Yosemite National Park, Ooh. one of our most visited national parks with approximately 4 million visitors. And yes, I do just know that fact. I hate myself. But I have I hate myself. <laughs> I have two one-star reviews from Yosemite. The first, one star. Boring, nothing to do, not exciting. Good rangers, though. Good rangers? Yeah. That was a dude. A dude wrote that. The po- he, was, he was like, listen, there's nothing to do. There's... Is one of America's most visited national parks. Nothing to do. It is exciting. It's beautiful. There's hiking. Did you do any? There's so much to do. Did you just choose not to do anything? Did you think that just like driving into a very populated place was going to be a good time? Yeah. This The second one is I also love. One star. Too many trees and big rocks like El Capitan or Half Dumb that I have to climb. One star. That's the point. That's that's the whole I went to point. a national park and I was mad because there were too many trees. Uh, so, to go with that, we have a rescue from Yosemite. Okay. And 
If you're new to Ridiculous Rescues, hi, welcome. We do this every once in a while. This week's rescues, or this month's rescues, are from the book Death, Daring, and Disaster by Charles R. Butch Faraby Jr. And it's just a search and rescue book that has like little summations, and I read directly from it, and we just laugh. Yeah, because they are truly ridiculous. ridiculous. So let's get into it. Our first one is Yosemite National Park. On July 1st, 1899, the title is Ladies Showed No Fear. Oh. There was for a time last night at the Curry Camp some anxiety for the safety of Miss Helen M. Brown of Utica, New York, Miss Mary A. Knapp of Boston, and 12-year-old Hazel Knox of Merced. The ladies had reached Columbia Rick, and then it's got the little thing, it's supposed to say rock, on the trail to Eagle Peak at nightfall. The rock is on the edge of a precipice, and an iron railing has been put there to give nervous people a sense of security while viewing the valley beneath, so that people don't accidentally fall off to their death. I added that. <laughs> I added The ladies concluded to remain on the rock for the night instead of taking chances of a misstep on the mile or more zigzag path along the edge of a precipice, precipice by returning to their camp. Which, like... Not the worst idea. Not your best idea. Yeah, I feel like you would have okay, but I mean, you know, you yeah. do you. Do what makes you feel safe and comfy. And so, I, I get it. Worried over their absence, a searching party with lanterns set out to look for the ladies. Oh, also, this is 1899. Yeah. At 1230, the searches by firing pistol shots announced to the watchers at the camp that the women were safe. I love that they fired pistols. I mean, what other option do they have, really? But I love that it's like, pew, pew, you yeah. know, we found them. They were like, we don't have radios. We don't have your fancy technology. We're just going to shoot in the air, and that's going to ha- be how you know. One shoot for good, two shoots for bad. Yeah, but that's it. That's it. Yeah, not very ridiculous. Yeah. Just, I- you know, ladies being, you know, wanting to be safe. Yeah. And then people going out to make sure they're safe. I did think it was just funny that they were like, they showed no fear. And they were like, yeah, because they weren't afraid. There was nothing really happening. They were just like, oh, that's kind of sketchy and it's dark. Maybe we should wait until morning. Yeah. Whole everybody was in a panic. Yeah. But, you know, again, I, I, I preface this with these ones aren't too ridiculous. That's why we have our one-star reviews. Let's get into the next one. Yeah. But we do, we love a successful rescue. Yes, we love a successful rescue. We just want to share some of those. Mm-hmm. So our next, re- re- well, regular rescue <laughs> takes place. Regular rescue with a one-star review. With a one-star review to go along with it. Takes place in Rocky Mountain National Park. And now I do love this review. One star. Lovely park, but the goblin. Pr- <laughs> okay, redo. Lovely park, but the goblin problem is completely out of hand. Goblin? Goblin. And I Googled because I was like, is this like a derogatory term for something? Couldn't find it. If it is, let me know. Goblin. But I don't. Maybe I don't there's know. too many terms. Also, there's more to the review, and it's spelled G O B L I N, goblin. Okay. You can barely sit down for a second without one scampering out of a crevice to harass you. My hair is still growing back from where they ripped it out for nesting material. I will not be coming back until the goblins are taken care of. 
gobble. Okay, all right. So they scamper out of holes in the ground and that- rip your hair out for nesting. With are they Goblins. the little, um, the little like rock squirrels? Is that what you're talking about? Maybe, but they're not goblins. Yeah, and do they rip hair out? I don't think so. I mean, like we saw some when we were at Yosemite. We would see like the rock squirrels when we were like hiking Half Dome and stuff. And they'd like get in your bag and stuff, but they pretty much left you alone. They're yeah. you know the so size of your palm. Trying to find your food, but I I, I don't know. I have questions. I have a lot of questions. I have a second one star review also. Okay, one star. Too rocky and way too many mountains. What the Rocky Mountain? Oh my god! <laughs> National Park. Too rocky. Too many mountains. Beach too sandy. Water too wet. Yup. Oh, and that's how they have an entire podcast. Yeah, this is how, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but also, like, props to those guys because... They just, read this all the time. Just reading the one-star reviews made me so mad. Because, yeah. like, okay, these ones are funny, but there were so many dumb ones. Yeah, like, too much hiking. My feet hurt. Like, See, that I would even walking. laugh at, but being like, the park system is going to the crapper ever since so-and-so took it over. It's their fault that we have this timed entry. And I'm like, no. No. That's not why. It was put in place as a COVID safety precaution, and then they were like, hey, this is actually a pretty good idea because people can actually enjoy the park now. Yeah. Instead of having to deal with, like, four million people. Mm-hmm. And so walk me through the timed entry thing, because I have not oh, okay. looked into visiting a national park since COVID started. So so some national parks, and if you want to know which ones, you should look up the national park you're visiting, which you should be doing yes, anyway. You should, yes. Um, instead of just, you can come in whenever, we'll have certain times where they are timed entry. So you basically sign up, and some of them have like a lottery system. Uh, some of them you just have to like sign up so, so far in advance so that you can like reserve your spot uh, so that they can control how many people are coming to the park during those peak hours. So at Rocky Mountain National Park, for example, because that's the one I've been to most recently, they have two sections. So they have the Bear Lake section, which is like the most touristy section, and then there's the rest of the park. And the rest of the park actually um, has like a highway that basically drives through the whole thing. We needed that part. So when we went on, the earliest timed entry is 9 a.m. It's like 9 to 4, I think. I could be wrong on that. Um, and so we got like the earliest slot. But if you get there at before 8 they just there's nobody there and you can just go in. It's only timed entry during those certain times because that's when most people are trying to visit and they want to limit the amount of people. Yeah. So that's how most of them work is you just have to and like that, go online ahead of time and reserve a spot. And if you can't get one, you just get there early. Yeah. It's like tickets. Yeah. It's not tickets, but basically. Yeah. The yeah. I would say the irritating thing about like the Rockies. So we had a backpacking, a backcountry camping permit. And we, so we had already like reserved that. And then we additionally had to make like, a reserve reservation. A, yeah, just so we could even get in to get our permit. Mm -hmm. And so like that was a little frustrating. But still, I was like, oh, I understand why they're doing this. You know, there are only so many people that work at the parks. I'm fine. I'll, I'll work around it. Yeah. But it also makes sense like conservation wise too. Yeah. The fewer people. Less like, environmental impact. Yeah. And again, like the, the Bear Lake area at Rocky Mountain, we didn't go there, but 
from what I have heard, is absolutely just flooded with people all the time. Yeah. And so, like, is it you can only be there between nine and four? No. Or is Once it like- you're in, you can stay in the park all day. Yeah, it's just your entry. Yeah, it's literally timed entry. It's just as when you enter the park. Most so the Rockies is like the entry slots are by hour. And if you're going, I would recommend getting there like an hour before your hour because the line is long. If you're doing timed entry. Again, we just got there like like we entered the park between like five and six AM and like the sun was rising. It was great. But we got to the place where our permit was right as they opened. We picked up our permit. We had already taken lots of pictures. We saw an elk on the way in. It was super cool. Like and there was like nobody there because we were there so early. So and then we went into the backcountry for four days where we saw literally nobody was great. But yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. that's the timed entry thing. Cool. So speaking of the Rockies, we have our next rescue. This took place on August 22nd, 1954. And the title is Told to Watch for Circling Birds of Prey. Mm. Does not bode well. Yes. The Denver Post followed the search for 25-year-old John De- Daly, D-A-I-L-I-E. Oh, Daly? Daly. John Daly very closely. A harrowing story of six foodless days and nights of aimless wandering in the ragged Longs Peak country. Daly, a first-year law student at Denver University, was an avid hiker. He loved climbing and began hiking in the hills of Ohio when he was just a small boy, which, for the record, that's not the same. No, and Ohio's not extremely hilly, is it? No. Not very hilly. Yeah. It's not. And there's, like, no altitude in Ohio. No. Like, I'm from Ohio. I love Ohio, but it's not the same. On a Sunday outing with 32 others from the Colorado Mountain Club, he climbed 14,255-foot Long's Peak for the first time by the standard cable route. There was a lot of hail and some snow, and I was having trouble with my eyes. When I got to the top, I looked for the rest of the gang. There was no one there. I looked around for the register to put my name on it. I couldn't find it. That was about 1 p.m. It was storming, and I had my knapsack. A gust of wind got hold of it and blew it over the side of the peak. Now he's up there. He's peaked. Long's Peak is like the peak in the park. It's like mm-hmm. the biggest one. People like come, and that's like the thing that they do. It's the only 14er in the park, I believe. And, like, at the gift shop, you know, there's, like, shot glasses that say Long's Peak on them. It's, like, a big That's like the thing. center thing. And he has peaked and lost his pack. Darn. And can't find his group. Yeah. No. Or the register, which is sad because then he can't. Like, you can't even write down. that you were up there. You did all this yeah. work. Did his name get on the register? I don't know yet. I Again, so. I, I picked these out a while ago. I don't really remember them. Okay. A couple of hours later, in almost zero visibility, he tried to descend a different way. Somehow, he got off the marked route. That night, far above the timberline, he shivered among the rocks. Somehow, when there was zero visibility, he lost the route. Yeah. Surprising. What? Uh, This is shocking information. 
Not until 9.30 that evening did the other club members discover that the tall, lean young man with gray eyes and tasseled brown hair was missing. Which They like, didn't <laughs> notice he was gone for like eight hours? Did they have really bad visibility? I don't know, but sus. <laughs> Somewhat okay. This is like I feel like there should be like a like in Finding Nemo. Do you have your exit, exit buddy? buddy? Like everyone should have a hiking buddy. Well, did you hear? This was several years ago about that group in Indiana, the Cave Club at Indiana University, that locked a student inside of a cave for like a full day. <gasps> no. Yeah. Um. I he was fine. He got out, but they like all got out and. You know, this group thought they, he was in that car. That group thought he was in this car. And it wasn't until, like, his roommate was like, yo, where's my roommate? He was on that trip with you. He never came back. And they were like, what do you mean he never came back? And it's like, you didn't doubt everybody like, when you got out of the cave? Alone. And it's like a gated cave. So he was at the entrance, but they locked it. So he was literally locked into a cave. At least he was at the entrance. Yeah. So it's not, like, pitch black until the sun goes down. But, like, you know. Yeah, At least and they didn't just... spend all day like locked deep inside. Yeah, and I caved with that group once, and I'm just guessing based on the fact that I the one cave trip I went on with him that he didn't have you know like matches or extra water or Probably enough not. food. Probably not. Because why would they? No. So. Yeah. No. Count your group. Yeah. So they've finally noticed that he's missing. Our our story. Mm-hmm. Longs Peak Ranger Bob Frousen took the report. District Ranger Ed Kurtz and all available park personnel were immediately enlisted in the search, and they have been working every daylight hour since. The park pulled out all the stops. Three SA-16 search planes from nearby Lowry Air Force Base combed the area and took aerial photos. Because the sheer 2,000-foot east face is only a stone's throw from the cable route, the peak was closed closed while six climbers examined the base of the cliff that made no sense to me but yeah why would you examine the base he's stuck oh, because on the peak they felt daily may have walked over the edge in a whiteout so they were looking for oh, a body yeah awkward yeah. now now i understand why they closed it yeah don't just wanna, needed to keep reading don't want a tourist family stumbling upon yeah. that yeah don't want anybody nobody but no. you know Especially if you don't know that there's somebody missing. Like, can yeah, you imagine? You're like, yeah. you're like out having a lovely day at, at your local national park and you just find a body. Yeah, that would no, would not be good. The 12 Colorado Mountain Club members who had enlisted in the search were told to watch for the telltale circling of birds of prey. Most had given up finding him alive, but after six days. On a freezing cold mountaintop where he lost his backpack yeah no supplies it's amazing he survived yeah and a loss of 60 pounds he lost 60 pounds yep daily walked into the meeker park campground and asked what's been going on in the world <gasps> starved half to death freezing probably frostbitten what's up guys what's up guys I'm back. Thanks for nothing. Not, thanks for not finding me. Yeah. Cool. I took cool, care cool, of it cool. myself. Cool, cool, cool. Someone fly me back up there so I can sign the fucking registry. <laughs> okay. Jeez. That would be so bitter. I would not be friends with any of those people. Well, I've, I have a final quote from Dally or Daily. 
They must have flown over me a dozen times. I waved my jacket, but they never saw me. I walked in high places and in low places, up the mountain and back down. He practically ascended it like three times. He was just up here like do 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 up and down up and down, like up, down. seeing the plane Hello. and being like, "Hey guys, I'm right here." Anybody You're blind? Literally anyone? No, nobody. Okay, sixty. Hello, is anybody there? Hello, I would have been pissed. I would have been so mad. Yeah, like all of you guys need to redo your training. All of you, your search well, and rescue. But like search and rescue people, I can at least be like, you know, the conditions white out, whatever. But like missing okay, your for teammate for hours. Before- yeah, but there's no way it was a whiteout for six days. It eh, for six days. Yeah, so? that high. It could uh, be. Uh, yeah. yeah, and also the the plane picking up like mm-hmm. snow. A great piece of advice that my little's grandmother gave her that she then gave to me because I once complimented her really cute pink rain jacket. And that's important to the story. She said, thanks. My grandma says that your rain gear should always be brightly colored because it makes the dreary days better. I was like, that's adorable. That's cute. That's also a lot less dark than I thought the direction that I was like, what did her grandmother say? No, but she was like, it should always be bright colors. So it makes, you know, like yellow rain boots, you know, or yeah. something cute like that. That's true. But That's also, cute. like, if you have brightly colored hiking gear, you know, if then you they ever, can if find you. If you ever you. need to be seen, make it like a not natural shade. Yeah. Like, if it's green, make it like neon green. Yeah. There is like some in the backpacking community, and I've seen this, and I don't really have an opinion on the discourse, but there's like discourse about like, is too many like neon colors like polluting? the landscape shut up no then, like, no, one, want. no one cares it's not actually hurting the environment it's no. hurting your experience maybe but like but fuck like, you look another direction <laughs> if you don't want to see people's bright colors, or like go places that direction. less people go yeah if you're such an outdoorsman that you want to avoid all else, the people because you don't want to see their neon colors then go somewhere else. there are options there's a lot of there's a lot of wilderness out there yeah the wilderness must be explored. <laughs> right. Are you ready for our next national park? I feel like I just keep getting more and more burnt up about these one-star reviews. <laughs> this, this is great. So I have three for Mount Rainier National Park. <laughs> I don't know why I have three for this one, but I do. I'm here for it. So one star. This place is a miss. The rocks fell on my head and I got a mini concussion. Like, honestly, I'm never dropping here again. She's speechless at this one star review. Okay. Uh, uh, All right. First of all, if you're dropping somewhere, meaning I'm assuming on rope. Rule number one, other than have a harness have a helmet good lord why oh my god and also yep. what the fuck is a mini concussion if you have a concussion or you don't this is what i'm guessing happened because so when we were at yosemite we had like a rock hit one of our people on the arm she'd like a big bruise yeah. so my guess is that it was like this person got hit by something and they got a bruise they were like oh, i have a concussion Oh, my God. I'm never coming back here again. This is terrible. Rocks. You could get hit by a rock anywhere. Literally anywhere. 
I could throw a rock at your at head. your face. And, and yeah, then you'd... Like, shut up, Susan. God bless. Oh, my God. There's some rocks. Like, yes, honestly. Rocks. Honestly. I'm never On dropping here again. Mountain. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Oh, my God. I'm so offended. <laughs> I cannot get out. All right. Are you ready for your next one? Yes. One star. Okay. Was still snowing when we arrive and road closed. <laughs> oh my god, I can't control the weather. Well, damn it, Jackie, I don't control the weather. <laughs> Shut up. Oh. Get out of here. The road was closed because yeah. it was a hazard. And that was, so I'm pretty yeah. sure I got these in like November, like early November. It says five months ago. So it would have been like June and if you know anything about like actual mountains, June is still like heavy snow. Yeah, it can snow anytime. Like it we snows went to, when it wants. We went to the Rockies in June and we did the hike we did because they were like, Yeah, if you go above like ten thousand feet, you're gonna have to need snowshoes and we're like, We don't wanna deal with that. I don't wanna do snowshoes. So Damn it, Jackie, I can't control the weather. I have one more. Okay. One star. Awful, awful, awful. I slept, walked, slash climbed up the mountain and woke up on top. Had to stumble, slash fall my way back down. Everest is way easier. And to that person, I just want to say, first of all, you're wrong. Second of all, you're lying. Mm -hmm. And third of all, no, you didn't. No, maybe you got drunk and walked up a tall hill and you thought you were on the mountain. Yeah, but you did not sleepwalk no. up a mountain. You would be lucky to sleepwalk your way out of your hotel room where you were staying or your yeah. lodge room or where. I guess you could have been in a tent, but like. You could have, but like also. You also like compared it to Everest, which like tons of people die on every year. So like, first of all, disrespectful. Second of all, shut up. You're saying that it's you, something you did in your literal sleep was harder then Mount Everest. Everest. Sit down. Sit down. Be humble. Shut up, Chad. That just feels like a dude wrote that. I mean, I don't know. I, just, I clipped off the like profile pictures and everything so that I wasn't biased when reading them. I but just I feel like I read them how I felt them. And I agree that it feels like a Chad. Yeah. Listen, we had Susan in our first one. And Susan, which is like Karen, essentially. Yeah. And then Valley Girl. Oh my god, my head! I got a mini concussion. <laughs> that was still Susan. And then Chad. No, that wasn't Susan. Yeah, like honestly, I'm never dropping here again. Was the first one? No, but I said Susan earlier. Oh. Did I say Susan to that one? Yeah, I didn't mean to. No. That's more like an Ashley. <laughs> like an Ashley or a Brittany. Uh, oh no, we know some really nice Britneys. I mean, I know nice people of all names. One I mean, of the yes. like. Only exes that I don't have ill will towards was named Chad, but this guy is totally a Chad. I have an ex named. Yeah, but this guy's a Chad. That guy's a Chad. Listen, it's just a generalization. A we don't actually know. No hate to anybody named Ashley, Susan, Brittany, or Chad, or anyone really. But you know, we're just throwing out stereotypical names. Yeah. All right. All right. This is our rescue. Steam was hot enough to fry a hot dog. All right. I don't know where this steam? is going. Steam. Steam. All right. Full steam ahead. The Seattle Post-Intelligencer loudly sounded the alarm with its large front page headlines. It sounded the alarm with text. Got yes. it. 
<laughs> with large front page headlines. Okay. Dramatic, I know. Mm-hmm. 12 missing on Rainier. Search set four teams to comb peak for three overdue parties. Listen. All right. As an ex-journalist, long-ass headlines hurt my soul. I'm like, your headlines should not be more than, like, five words. Also, I did not tell you when this was. That might oh. be some context. This was yes. May 31st, 1964. Okay, but still. Long-ass headlines hurt my soul. Yeah, but the people had more of an attention span back then because there wasn't anything interesting happening. But the point of a headline is to, like, get you. Right? Like, it's like, ooh. I mean, the big part was 12 missing on Rainier. And then okay. there was a smaller oh, part so underneath. Oh, like a subheadline. Yeah. Like a subheading. Okay. All right. I can take so that. So is that better? I thought that whole thing was the heading. Well, it's all in bold as a headline, but it is broken up in... Okay. Okay. That I, helps. Okay. Yeah. I'm visualizing. Picture it. Picture it. After hacking out shelters with their ice picks... The four men sat out the raging storm, crammed into the little holes on the north side of the peak. It's always a raging storm. Well, that's how you end up that in a rescue book. That's how you end up missing. Yep. Yep. Leader Paul Williams, an experienced mountain rescuer, summed up their forced biovac. Scared? You betcha. You betcha. You betcha. But the team of strong mountaineers easily walked off when the winds lessened. The two parties on the summit's other side, however, were not so lucky. Eight people that holiday weekend narrowly avoided freezing to death while huddling for 48 hours in Mount Rainier's famous steam caves. These heated links to the peak's volcanic, not volcanic, violent mm-hmm. past are 100 feet below the top of the 14,410-foot dormant volcano. There we go. There's the word volcano. Carl, a 28-year-old Carl, Carl, Seattle zoologist, recalled, We were trapped by the ice storm just about five minutes after we reached the summit at about 12.48 Sunday afternoon. There was nothing to do except take shelter in the caves, which are formed by the crater's steam jets. Seven men and one woman shoveled snow day and night around the clock in an exhausting battle against the elements. But it was a weird mixture of heat and cold that really sapped the climbers of their energy. Sustaining moderate burns, one adventurer later explained that the steam was hot enough to fry a hot dog. Why is that the, the like, statement you choose? Because it was funny. Yeah. They were like, what'll make people read this rescue? Hot, dog. hot dogs. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And there's some more stuff about, like, the rescuers, but they did find everybody and they were fine. So except some minor burns and yeah. Yeah. And it ends with, with a plane helicopter and recent Everest climber, Dr. Tim Horobin. They helped the eight lucky mountaineers out of their near scorching sanctuary. I mean, cause like freezing to death doesn't sound great, but also burning to death also still doesn't sound freezing great. to death. while also burning to death. Yeah. Sounds like a bad time. Yeah. Can you imagine if that went south? Like, if some of them would have been... So, like, cause of death would have been different for each one. Like, this one froze to death, but this one burned to death. This one's covered in frostbite and burns. Like... It's a very confusing time up here. We're not yeah. quite sure what's happening. We're not sure what happened. Yeah. Yeah. We have one more? Okay. Let me get to my little document with my screenshots in it. 
Okay, so this is our last one. And How many reviews do we have? I'm going to see if I can come just up with one. names. Oh, okay. Just one. All right. Um, and we actually have this person's name because okay. we're ending on a good review. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so this is Tom Cobb, local guide. Okay. And it is a one-star review, but it, it has a point. Okay. And the review goes like this. Stop looking at reviews of national parks. Yosemite is perfect. It doesn't need my approval. <gasps> good man, Tom. Yeah. We like him. We like him. He's a Thank local you, guide. Got his, little, got his little star. 10 out of 10. Thank you. Thank you for actually understanding anything. Yes. All right. So, like, we're going back to Yosemite for our last review. The title is... They were 10 days overdue and had 1,600 feet to go. Oh, jeez. The hike's gone terribly wrong. It's a climb, actually. The climb gone terribly wrong. And I'm going to read this as dramatically as possible, just well, for effect. you are effect. allowed because you have climbed it. Yes, but different. If you, different. I'm not a rock climber, but no, yes. No, but I mean, you have ascended. I have ascended. And repelled. Up the face of Elkout. Truly an epic. The first ascent of the 2,200-foot wall of the early morning light, one of the most demanding and intimidating rock faces in the world, was a testament to endurance and talent. At 47, Warren Harding was the undisputed hard man of Yosemite, Big Walls. Along with his partner, 27-year-old Dean Caldwell, the super climbers wrote on their registration card that they were going to haul 300 pounds of gear including food for 12 days and some emergency supplies. They expected to be off El Capitan by October 31st. On November 9th, with Harding and Caldwell only halfway up, the park's rescue ranger, Pete Thompson, began to get nervous. They had been up for many days longer than anyone had ever been on a wall before. Their rations should have been critically short. They reported that their feet were numb, their gear got wet when it rained, and they were suffering from open sores brought on through lying in wet bags during the first big storm. They were 10 days overdue and had 1,600 feet to go. Two days later, faced with six massive, unseasonable, wet weather fronts rolling in from the Pacific, the climbers were asked if they could rappel off if needed. Impossible. Caldwell's last comment that night, heard through the park's sophisticated electronic listening device, was, quote, we know that our asses are in a sling. <laughs> also, I wonder if this Caldwell is related to Tommy Caldwell, and that's the only thing I'm thinking about right now. Who's Tommy Caldwell? He is the guy from... So he's Donwell? a... Yeah, he's okay. a Donwell guy. Uh, uh, no, I still have never watched that. I have no... no. Okay, I'm not going to make you watch Free Solo because that's actually terrifying. The Donwall is a fantastic movie. I'll watch And there's, it's like safe. So it's not, the, it's not the guy that does the free... No, that's okay. Alex Honnold. That's okay. Free Solo. Okay. Different guy. Okay, I'll watch the Donwall then. We should watch the Donwall. Okay. 10 out of 10, highly recommend. If you like are only going to watch one, you watch the Donwall. Like, no shade to Alex Honnold, I just think the Donwall is a better movie. Appreciating the double entendre from a thousand feet above... Thompson knew Caldwell could have been merely referring to his belay seat or that they were in trouble. <laughs> that night, nearly an inch of rain soaked the valley, but up above, snow soaked the two climbers. <gasps> Caldwell and Harding were still 1,800 feet from the top, which they were 1,600. Now they're 1,800. I don't know yeah, how they lost 200 feet. Yeah. Having made only 400 feet in the last six days, 
In fact, they averaged a mere 85 feet each day of the climb. Ranger Thompson, charged with protecting life and limb, knew that a rescue had to be mounted now or it might be too late. Feeling that it would be better to have the equipment poised on the top prior to the advent of a major storm, which might preclude the possibility of flying equipment to the top, I carried forward arrangements. It was a very difficult decision for Thompson, one that would later be loudly and unfairly criticized by the victims. Okay, but you he saved your life. You don't get to criticize him. He saved your life. Technically, we'll, we'll get there, but okay. nobody needed. Nobody ended up getting saved. Oh. They're all fine. Oh, okay. With the U.S. Army graciously volunteering six hours of helicopter time, 19 men and 1,900 pounds of rescue equipment were lifted to the top. Of course, by the time that time, the weather had stabilized nicely, and our two friends on the wall were beginning to move nicely. On November 18th, 27 days after starting up and without ultimately needing a rescue, Harding and Caldwell peered over the top to find some 70 newsmen peering back. The end. Well, they didn't think you were going to make it, dude. They were like, the weather is not great, my dudes. I know, and they already had open sores. Yeah, and everything was wet. no food. That's what they said, no food. Yeah, I mean, sure. Is there a way that they could have gotten them supplies? Yeah, but it didn't sound like they got supplies. It sounded like they just, like, stretched their supplies. Which, based on the little that I know about rock climbers, and it's not a lot, does not surprise me. Like What, that they can stretch it? No, that they would. Oh, yeah, no. That they'd be like, listen, we were going to be... I can take one bite of an energy bar a day and be fine. We were going to be up here for 12 days. Instead, we're going to be up here twice as long. We're just going to make it work. I know that it sucks, but it's going to be epic. Love it. Those are our rescues. Um, should we do what we did last year on New Year's Eve and like talk about if we're making New Year's resolutions or is it too early for that? Oh gosh, I haven't even thought about New Year's resolutions, but we can talk about it. I'm sure I can think of something. <laughs> what did I say last year? I'm sure I'm probably going to hope to do the same thing. Nobody ever really did New I have no idea. Mine, see, mine was to get an ADHD diagnosis. And well, while, you did. Yeah, I did that. You did so, that. So 10 out of 10. That's that's why I set my expectations low. Yeah. Oh, I would like to show up for myself, which basically just means like take care of myself, worry about other people a little bit less. Not mm-hmm. not zero, but right now I worry about myself pretty much zero everybody else a lot. Yeah, I'd so like we're to gonna even fix that, that ratio. Yeah, I'd like to even that out a bit. Take care of you so that you can take care take of care other, of other people. people. I don't know. I don't usually set resolutions, which I said last year, but I really wanted to actually like try to get this done. So you did it. I did it. I guess just staying on a good journey with my mental health. There you go. That's That's important (laughs) and attainable. And attainable. That's important in goal setting. Yeah. Specific, measurable, attainable. I don't remember what the R is and time bound. Um, Smart goals. Yeah. What's R? Also, I just remembered that I have to a team meeting tomorrow in which we're supposed to come with like ideas for goals for next year, and I forgot. <laughs> huh. But anyway, anyway, happy New Year's Eve, everybody! Oh, have sad. fun. I see the Christmas stuff, we will see you in 2022. Oh my god! Which I can't believe I have. <laughs> I'm not done processing 2020. So we were like talking about something for next year, and I said. Oh, so like in 2021 and my boss interrupted me and was like 2022. And I was like, in my head, it's still 2020. I cannot. Yeah. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. 
Maybe we'll get some precedented times in 2020. I hope so. All right. Well, thank you guys for another amazing year. We have grown so much um, and continue to grow so much, which is incredible. And none of that would be possible without you guys. And so we really appreciate it. And um, thank you for, you know, welcoming us back from the brief break that we took at one point and came back middle of this year. And we've been stronger than ever, which is mm-hmm. wild. Um, and so we just appreciate you guys and and love you guys. And thank you for taking us along on your work days and your car rides and gym and whatever yeah. else. And thank you, you for everybody who's ever emailed us because yes. every time we get an email or like a comment or something, we like read it and We're we like, get so oh, excited yes. and so happy. And we love like talking with you guys. So please keep doing that. We love it. It's so yes. great. Feel free. And please don't ever, I saw something um, the other day, like a really, really, really popular creator that has like millions of followers. They got a, maybe not millions, but thousands of followers. They get DMs and they read them all or try to. And they say pretty much all of them say you might not ever see this, but I'm like never fear, we will see it every time, every single <laughs> every thing time we'll we will it. see. Yeah, and we've like over doubled our numbers this year, yeah. which is crazy. Our Spotify Wrapped was like up 500 percent in like all of the categories. It was wild. Well. Thank you guys, and we'll see you in the new year. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, stay, stay safe, safe out, out there. Thanks for watching. Music by Purple Planet. Art by Ruby Congrove. Logo by Katherine Dodds. For more information and our sources, head over to the notsogreatoutdoors.com. For updates and announcements, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NSGOPod. Don't forget to subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms.